you're like me and you have a fun little thing called seasonal affective disorder, you might be starting to feel a little anxious right now. I know me personally, I am definitely struggling more now than I was in the summer months. It's more of the thought that, oh my God, here comes the season where I feel irritable and down on myself and sad for what seems like no reason. And it's gonna last six months. I know that there's going to be a lot of other people going through this, so this is just a quick reminder to check up on your friends and family during these winter months, especially because a lot of people find it extra difficult than they usually do. How was it getting out of bed this morning? Look, the mornings are cold and it's dark, and if you're anything like me, you will just press that snooze button on repeat. I know that it is normal to move a little bit slower in the winter, but actually it can have a serious effect on nearly 2 million people in the UK. So you might have heard of this term, SAD, or some people call it SAD. It stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder and it's triggered by a change of seasons. It's actually clinically recognised as a depressive disorder. So it can make you feel like you don't want to do anything, you know, when you just feel really demotivated, sluggish, irritated, sleepy as well, it can make it hard to concentrate, which obviously can have a massive knock-on effect if you are studying or where you work, seeing your mates and just generally like your day-to-day life. And for some people, these symptoms can last for five months, which I feel like is a very long time to feel low. We know that women, and specifically women my age, are more likely to suffer from SAD. That's according to some studies. We also know that it's really under research, so we're going to hear more about that later on. Whether SAD is something that you've been diagnosed with, or maybe you can just relate to some of those symptoms that I mentioned, it would be good to understand how we can actually manage this and not let it take over our whole lives, seeing as we cannot change the weather. I'm Mary Manderfield, and this is Noted. So I'm going to speak to some people who have experienced the symptoms of SAD to hear what that feels like. We'll also be getting to the facts behind the change of the seasons and how, you know, we might be able to help ourselves with this as well. But before that, I actually managed to track down someone called Dr. Norman Rosenthal. He's the person that came up with this term, seasonal affective disorder, in 1984. Norman, let's hear it from the man himself. Can you, in your own words, explain this disorder? Yes, people with seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, experience predictable changes when the days get shorter and darker. They feel tired. They have difficulty waking in the morning. They want to overeat, especially sweets and starches. They tend to gain weight, and they lose interest in things that normally excite them, their work, their relationships, and those therefore will suffer. They can't concentrate as well. They can't relate as easily. They just want to hibernate in a sense. And this can continue for four or five months. Obviously, people were experiencing this before you kind of formalized it with the term. What was that process? Was it like validating a lot of people's experiences? It definitely was. You see, people just got a feeling that there was nothing you could do about the weather. When I arrived from South Africa to New York, they called it the Christmas crunch. And everybody was grumpy and bar humbug. And they tried to just sort of 
deal with it. You know, stoicism evolves when people can't do very much about the bad things that are happening to them. So they were stoical, they hung in, they went on winter vacations to sunny places. But it actually wasn't a joke. It was really something serious. And I think until it was recognized, a name was given to it, and it was taken seriously, it just caused a, a tremendous amount of misery. It was interesting to hear where it all began with SAD, but I'm asking, where are we now with this? Libby Gale Evans is 22. She lives in Manchester and was diagnosed with SAD two years ago. I was in university and it was my second year. And it was also during the time of lockdown. And for me, what really pushed me over was my nana passed away from COVID. And I just started feeling really empty inside. And like, I was grieving as well. And then when the clocks went back and we were going into December, I just really couldn't do much. And it was my best friend really who recommended for me to go talk to our mental health guidance at university. And the woman there, she recommended for me to go talk to a GP. I was trying to explain to her it wasn't depression. I was trying to say, like, I don't ever usually feel like this and, like, I feel like I'd know if I was depressed all of this time. At first, she tried to recommend to, like, prescribe me medication, which I didn't want to do just because I felt like, for me, I didn't feel like this all the time. And luckily, I have an oncologist, a cancer specialist doctor, and I was treated for cancer when I was younger. I feel very grateful to have a really good team because I was talking to her about my feelings and that's when she got me in contact with a specialist for mental health and that's when they were like, you've got SAD. They did try to prescribe me medication again, but again, I really didn't want to go on it. Um, so what she prescribed me was to take vitamin D tablets, try to get outside 15 minutes a day and to also journal my feelings, which has been a real big help. And another thing I do, which I really, really highly recommend, is just, like, meeting up with friends and trying not to isolate yourself. And I know it can be hard because a lot of people, when you have SAD, you just want to stay inside and you don't want to do anything. But that's why I try to do, like, arts and craft nights and, like, stuff that's, like, you can still be at home, but be with your friends because it really helps talking to people. Libby Gale isn't alone in her experiences of SAD. I also came across videos of someone called Jodie Rogers. Jodie is a yoga teacher from a small village near Nottingham. And while she hasn't officially been diagnosed with SAD, she often shares her ways of coping with the winter months to over 100,000 people on TikTok. If you struggle with the winter months and you just find that they're overall really gloomy and you struggle with the short days and dark mornings, I have something for you. If you live in the UK and you wake up before 7.30, then you'll know that it's now dark in the mornings. And I know that the plots are about to change, but we will come to that time again where it's pitch black and we're having to get out of bed. And if you're struggling, count down from five. Every day this week, I'm going to be sharing something that helps me say goodbye to summer and welcome in autumn. I really love what you put out on TikTok, whether it's more about like slow living or avoiding burnout. Do you find it helps you to share with other people on TikTok? And do you find that kind of like mutual connection with other people that also might really feel that of like, okay, it's getting colder, it's getting darker. Like buckle in guys, what are we going to do? Yeah, definitely. I think it does. Like the amount of comments I've had from people that say they've struggled with the winter months, but they've never really understood why. And then they find my content and then it almost makes sense to them. I think that I'd found 
online and through other people's experiences and stories, I found comfort in that. So being able to cultivate a bit of a community around how we can deal with the change of seasons and actually make it a joyful time has, yeah, it's felt really nice for me, actually. When we talk about seasonal depression or seasonal um, affective disorder or the winter blues, do you think this is something that, you know, young people are kind of impacted differently? Um, I feel like there's so many things going on already that make these times quite hard, whether it's like living in a in a small flat or it's already quite cold. Um, do you find that, yeah, like there's a different kind of impact for young people? Yeah, I think so. And I think back to uni, my house was freezing, it was single glazed, and that can be really difficult. I really think focusing on that sense of connection, connecting with friends, connecting with family, and trying to feel a part of a community because that can just really help us through these times. Because winter is a time that is more difficult naturally. It is a harder season, it's harsh, it asks us to slow down and kind of look at what's here, both kind of on an external world and internally. So I think that kind of piece of connection is something that hopefully everyone should have access to. So we've heard from Libigal and Jodie about their own personal experiences, but what's the medical basis for all of this? And also who is the most at risk? That's coming up next here on Noted. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. So I really want to get into this with someone who is currently working with people in the UK who are going through this. Dr. Ritz is a psychologist. She has more than 12 years experience working in the mental health space. And as well as seeing patients one-to-one, she also works across different hospitals and organises resilience programmes to help people with their well-being. Dr. Ritz, thank you so much for joining us on Noted. Thank you for having me here today. How are you doing? I'm really good. It definitely was one of those days where I woke up to a pitch black darkness outside. And I thought, oh, how relevant as we're talking about this today. (laughs) Do you find that this time of year you are getting more people coming to you in regards to their mood kind of changing because of the weather? Absolutely. I mean, September is always such a huge time of year that the referral rate just just jumps. Um, And it could be twofold. I think it's either that people are focusing on their summer and they think, oh, I'll deal with that later. Or there's this very much seasonal element to it where they struggle with the lack of light that we get in this country, in the UK, um, and how that then starts to impact their mood, how it starts to impact their behaviour, their sleep cycle, their eating habits, um, and all sorts of things that we associate with symptoms of depression. Okay, so we've got depression there, and I know a lot of people refer to like the winter blues, but I've been finding out more about seasonal affective disorder as well, and how there might be a lot of the same symptoms, but it's actually its own kind of separate thing. 
absolutely absolutely and it's all really linked to light exposure what that means is we have these master clocks in our bodies that regulate you know our circadian rhythm and we can link that to light so the more light we have that you know more vitamin d we're going to get the better our mood is and we get all sorts of impact from that and the less light exposure we get that then starts to impact our body our circadian rhythm starts to alter and so when one is experiencing seasonal affective disorder there are certain things you can do to help regulate your light exposure. Dr. Ritz, what does the research say about who is most at risk for getting SAD? Yeah, so the Royal College of Psychiatrists, they say that women are three times more likely to be impacted um, by seasonal affective disorder. Again, there's really, really little research into this, but the suggestion is it's due to hormonal changes and women having more estrogen um, than men. And also they link it more to that women are more likely to be impacted by it within the years that they're able to have children. So they're kind of childbearing age. What kind of age is that from? Is there like a distinct number? I guess it would be from when you start your period to when you're becoming premenopausal to when you have menopause. That's quite a big difference, isn't it? Three times more likely. And I guess, like you said, it's because kind of hormones are involved and things like that. Are there any other factors that might impact that? You know, it could be, again, there's not a huge amount of research on it. It could just be that it's really underdiagnosed in men as well, that men are maybe just not coming forward to their GPs. And so we're not getting these diagnoses put in place. So that's what we're seeing in the UK at the moment. I mean, I've been looking up kind of tips and solutions, I guess, for this. And a lot of things that come up are getting a sunrise lamp or a light box um, and kind of being outside, getting active. A lot of these like soft solutions. Are these things that you found work? The best thing is actually just getting outside. So the best light that you're going to get is in the morning. And really, if you look at the UK, the light starts to go about three o'clock. So you've got, you know, you haven't got a huge window from when when that sun is rising to when the sun is setting, if you've also got your work commitments or other commitments that you might have on. And I think it's from when the clocks change or from the autumn months, I think it's something like you're losing four minutes a day. So when you add that up, that's going to be a huge amount of light that we've lost. And we measure light intensity using luck. So for example, direct sunlight like the most amount you're going to get is about like a hundred thousand if you stay home you know or if you're in your office and you're just surrounded by walls you're only going to get 500 so it's such a huge difference that you can see and getting outside is the best option for that even if it's not direct sunlight even if it's just a cloudy day i would encourage people get outside and get your natural daylight and if you can't do that you know investing in those light box lamps they can be really powerful as well and it's around you know 30 minutes a day just in front of those can give you something like I think 10,000 of those lux that your body needs to help with your circadian rhythms. I think I really thought it was just like a nice thing to do (laughs) of like oh it'd be nice you know people say even if you're working from home like go for a walk or like if you're in an office on your lunch break go for a walk that would be nice I don't think I've really thought about it in like the medical terms of like actually to look after your mood and to look after your health like you really should be doing this I've started taking vitamin d tablets as well and I'm like that definitely helps do you know what it is I think sometimes we 
you know, we live in such a fast-paced world that we just get, like, told, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I think sometimes people think, it can't be that easy. If the way I'm feeling is so tangled and complicated, that solution seems far too easy to do. And so it's really the intention, the way you deliver it to somebody, the understanding that you give to them. Well, of course, it's not just about going outside, but why do you need to go outside? If you're just staying in your room with your duvet over your head, firstly, you're not going to get restorative sleep. You're going to confuse your circadian rhythm of when you're meant to go to bed, when you're meant to wake up. And that's going to have all sorts of impacts on you, especially if you are susceptible to depression. Because what we do know about depression is it's a lack of activation. So when we feel low, we do less. When we do less, we feel hopeless. When we feel hopeless, we're less motivated. So you just get caught in that vicious cycle of doing less and feeling low. I think there would be some fear around even being diagnosed with depression or seasonal affective disorder. And it might be for a lot of people, it isn't to that point yet, or it's not to that extreme. What would you say to someone who is already feeling that kind of low mood or, and not feeling great as a result of it getting colder and it getting darker? I would say start with getting the daylight first. So if you can try and get yourself out of the house or out of your office or wherever it is for 30 minutes a day and try and go to sleep at a regular time within a one hour window and wake up with that at a regular time within a one hour window, you try that for a week, see how that impacts your mood. And if you're still having no change with it, then I would 100% encourage them to speak to their GP. It's scary, like it's the biggest step. And you're probably thinking, I should be able to deal with this myself. Why am I not doing that? But, you know, this could be another <laughs> discussion for another day. That's your negative core beliefs coming through. That's you trying to create success within yourself by putting yourself down. Whereas actually, I think success can come from showing fallibility and saying, I need help. I can't figure this out on my own. I'm not perfect. So hearing about how this can really change your day-to-day -day is that kind of reminder that it is real, it is valid. But it also sounds like it's something that is really responsive to getting outside, doing that intentionally, even when you really do not feel like it. To try some of Dr. Ritz's advice myself, I spent a cold morning out and about with a mate who is pretty much like an ambassador for the outdoors. Ben Ankobia is an explorer with the North Face. When he's not halfway up a glacier or climbing a mountain, he's doing what he can to access nature closer to home in the city. We headed to a park in Essex as the sun rose. Here's what we got up to. Canary Wharf on the left. That that cluster. That cluster. Uh huh. You bring it to the front a little bit. You can see there's a big like flat. Oh well, yeah, I see. Right I there. See the point sticking out the top. I do see it. How often do you come up here? At least twice a week. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know when people talk about like it gets to winter it gets cold it gets dark and a lot of people get into this like cozy hibernation mode where they're like okay i'm just gonna stay in my house as much as possible like i'm not leaving unless i need to do you feel like you're like the antidote you're like the opposite to that not i think for me when i'm in the city i i feel like that too to a certain degree i'm not going to lie because even the bears in the mountains end up going for hibernation it's not it's not something you you need to you necessarily crave, but when winter gets here, I, you just need to find a way to make winter work for you. So we are just heading around. We're heading around a downhill bit. Yeah. We've got some grip underneath our boots. Um, some grip. It's actually like a gorgeously sunny but crisp day. We're going into the depths of autumn, winter. What do these seasons mean for you and mean for your mood? It's a season where I think of offence is the best defence. When you're in these not-so-great seasons where everything is a bit dull, unless you have a very bright, sunny day like we do today, you don't think about anything else but to be in a chill, sombre mode. But I feel like... As a person, I've been able to adapt myself into loving the winter and finding activities that make it enjoyable to live in. Mm. I know you like doing big kind of adventures. I know you like getting out the city when you can. But in terms of living in these kind of built-up areas, I don't know, like, adventure isn't so obvious or doing things outdoors isn't so, like, accessible so easy. Adventure is what you make it. Mm. Someone might be climbing Everest. You might be going to the corner shop to go get some food. Mm. All of them are adventures. If you don't live in London, there's almost endless possibilities of enjoying nature because anywhere apart from London is not super urbanised. Even Manchester is not super urbanised because you can still find really good green spaces to be in. I prioritise green spaces above everything else because I feel amazing in these spaces. So wherever you are, it's kind of like looking... It's even simple on a map. If you just zoom out from where you live and you can spot, like, the patches of green and be like, okay, I've not tried that park or maybe that's a forest or maybe that's near a lake or something... That's how I ended up climbing my first mountain. It was just zooming out, finding a crumple zone somewhere in North Wales and had the best time of my life, even though it was scary. It was December 2nd. I realised that, oh, I needed to do something because the winter was here fully. And I've been able to make a career out of it. So whoever's listening, just have it in mind that you can have an amazing time doing anything in the winter. You just need to prioritise the clothes you wear and the mindset you have. So look, I think it is clear that being outdoors really helps. Getting that first bit of sunlight in the morning, even if that is literally just having a cup of tea as you stand outside your front door. I really think as well, another key thing is that whether it's indoors or outdoors, doing things with your friends is so important. And it came up so many times. It could be like a supper club with your mates, going to a book club, Sunday walks or even just having a film night. Trying to find your community and just being with your people. I mean, I think it's important all the time, but especially when you know that the weather is affecting how you're feeling. And look, do not be afraid to reach out. I know sometimes easier said than done, but you have to open up about how you're feeling. And if you feel like 
you recognise and you're feeling some of those symptoms of SAD that we've spoken about and it's resonated with you, the best thing to do is to reach out to your GP. As always, you can drop me a message on WhatsApp about anything that's come up in the episode. The number is in the description. I'm Mary Manderfield. I'll be back with you next Wednesday with another episode of Noted. This is a podcast by The News Movement, produced by Persephonica. Thank you.